listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. just to remember it the week it's taught and then forget it till the next time we teach it. We're teaching you principles that will be the same next week, two weeks from now, ten years from now. So I don't want you to stop giving and stop paying your tithes because Pastor P is talking about a new subject. Come on, these are principles that we need to apply and put in place in our lives. Why? Because they work. If we put God first, He'll take care of the rest. That is absolutely an incredible promise. That if we put God first, He'll take care of the rest. But you know, I'm even aware of the fact that this is probably the sixth or the seventh message that we have taught on the blessed life. But even with all of these messages, the subject of giving to God, His tithe and His portion, we've just scratched the surface of what's available to us who are the givers. I mean, we've just scratched the surface. We've just been able to hit the high points just to give you a skeleton that you can build on. But you know, as I was thinking about that, I thought, here's the best part about it. And that is this. I don't have to know it all and I don't have to understand it all in order to receive. Aren't you glad about that? All God says is put me first. Give me my portion. God says, I'll redeem and I'll take care of the rest. I mean, there's nothing there that we can't understand. We maybe don't understand all the ins and outs and all these, but if we just put God first, we can all understand that. God says he'll take care of the rest. You and I have just got to have the faith to give and place God first and trust him that he's going to take care of the rest. Yes, you and I need to be good stewards. Come on, say that with me, stewards. We need to be good stewards. We've discussed that with even what the little we may have. If we want more, we've got to be faithful right where we're at. So we've got to be good stewards. God also says that we've got to have the right heart. We talked about that last week. We don't want to be selfish. We don't want to be grudging. That's the default setting on our hearts. If you don't believe me, look at a two-year-old. Mine, give me, want this. No. I mean, that's the tendency that we all have. That's the default setting of our hearts. But you know what? As we, as we are good stewards and as we have the right heart, which is the right motive in giving to God, really outside of that, we don't have to do anything else. Why? Because the supernatural power of God can work with just that. Come on, the supernatural power of God can work just with that. Tonight I want to talk about the fact that God desires to bless you in turn that you can be a blessing. God wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing. Say with me these words, I'm blessed to be a blessing. Think about that. I'm blessed to bless. Okay? That's God's design for my life. God wants to bless me so I can bless other people. In other words, tonight we're going to talk about our seed. Our tithe is a seed. 
Yes, we're putting God, we're honouring him first, but it's also a seed that we are planting, we are believing that God is going to give increase. Turn again with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I love this passage of scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. And as you're turning there, please understand, if you were to read the first few verses of 1 Corinthians 9, you would understand that Paul is talking in this passage to a group of people who have made a commitment or have desired to give towards the church in Macedonia. And basically what Paul is telling them is, hey, you made it known that you're going to help. And Paul said, I'm just reminding you, so don't embarrass yourself with the gift that you're going to give. That's really in essence what Paul is saying to them right there. You made a pledge, you said you were going to give. Now don't embarrass yourself. And then let's read if we would at 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6 through 8. It says this, But this I say, he who sows will also reap, and he who sows will also reap. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able, verse 8, to make all grace abound towards you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. I love how he begins this passage of Scripture. In verse number 6, he says, But I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. This is one of the most basic laws or biblical laws of giving. And that is this, you'll reap what you sow. No seed in the ground, no harvest. So you're going to reap what you sow. This is the same truth that Jesus speaks of in Luke chapter 6 and verse 38 where he says, give and it shall be pressed down Shake it together, run another. A good measure will it be brought into your life, is what he says. But as we discovered last week, that message of give and it shall be given to you also involves you and I having the right heart. So it's not just a case of, oh, I'm just going to give because I'm going to get. Come on, how many knows that's the wrong motive if we give and just to get? Are we going to get? As a result of our giving, you better believe it. But that's not the motive that motivates us or should not be the motivation that motivates us to give. That's the wrong motive for giving. Does everyone say amen? Amen. To give just to give is why we should give. Not to get. Getting is just the byproduct. It's not the goal. Therefore, this promise that Jesus gives every single one of us, because Luke 6, 38 is a promise. Give and it shall be given unto you. It's not given to create our motivation for giving. But it's to free us from the fear and show us the rewards of giving to God. Think about that. That God is telling us that if we give, we're going to get back. What does that do? Set us free from the fear of the fact of our default setting is keep for myself, hoard it back, store it up. Because the foolishness is this, isn't it, in our minds? To think that I give and I'll get more. I mean, think about that. Logically, it doesn't make sense, does it? But salvation is illogical. Salvation doesn't make sense. 
come on, let's be real. Logically, salvation doesn't make sense. What do you mean, pastor? I could be a murderer. I could be a rapist. I could be all this. And I could be as guilty as sin. And I'm going to hell. I give my life to Christ. And all of a sudden, God says, new creation. He doesn't see me as a murderer or a rapist. Yes, there's consequences in the natural I will have to face. But that's illogical. How does that happen? How do we change? How do we transform? How does God renew us like that? So we see that God's promise here is not as a motivation to give, but frees us from the fear and shows us the results of giving to Him. Say with me, right motive, right results. Come on, wrong motive is going to produce wrong results. Our heart has to be right. Again, from what we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, let me read verse 7, if I may, from the NIV Bible, the nearly it version is what I call it. It says this, Each man should give what he has decided in his heart. Notice again, it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue that I believe is not about the amount, but what we give. Because here's what I believe is, when your heart is really in tune with God and you really love God, you won't count to the nearest penny how much you give to God. Come on, that would be just a starting point that you know I don't go under that. But you know what? You add a little bit more. Why? Because you have a heart for God. Remember what we said last week? You can give without love, but you can't love without giving. Think about that. We can give without love. You may say, I disagree. Hey, the IRS takes how much money from your paycheck? Hey, do you love that? You sure don't. But notice what happens when you love someone. What happens? You buy them flowers. Take them out for a meal. You buy them gifts. You shower them with all these things. And if you don't, fall in love with them because you're better. But what happens? Love gives. Love doesn't have to be told to give. It knows how to give. So the NIV says, Each man should give what he has desired in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. It's not from a heart of compulsion. It's not from being banned by the law. You have to do it. That's not what God is looking for. The blessed life involves someone that now loves to give to God. That now can't wait till church comes around that they can pay their tithe, that they can sow that seed, that they can give God the first fruits, the firstborn, the first, that they can place God first in their life. You see, the blessed life is someone who just starts at the tithe, but then also moves into the real realm of giving, which is the realm of offering. We're perhaps going to talk about this next Wednesday, about offerings. Because the deal of the matter is this, the tithe is already God's. We haven't really given. You know, I've said this saying a number of times in this church. Every one of us today came into church with something that wasn't ours. And that's our tithe. So when we give it to God, we're not giving it to God, we're bringing it to God. It's already His. So really, it's when we step into the offerings which are above the tithe that really we step into, like Hope said, that extravagant giving. Giving more than is required. And I'm not trying to put pressure on you. God, if that's all you can give is your tithe, then make sure and give that. God will honour that. God will bless you with that. But don't just make that a cap and say that's it. Let that be a trampoline that you can jump to greater heights with it. For us to be able to give like that, cheerfully, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, but happy, just full of love and joy to God, that requires God to change our hearts. It has to be a change of heart. Our money and our possessions, they are a test. They're a test. 
42% of the parables that Jesus taught on the face of this earth had to do with money. 16 out of 38 had to do with money. Why? Because there's a need that every one of us needs to understand how to deal with, how to use, how to manage our finances. Because you know what? Money is such a test that really reveals the intent of our hearts. And it's a test that we must pass. What do you mean it's a test we must pass? Because when we pass the test, God will pass His test. What is His test? Try me now. Put me to the test. Prove me, God says, as you honour me and give me the time. If I will not do great things for you. You see, what we value the most is seen in the test of our money. Is it God or mammon? Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What we treasure the most attracts the attention of our hearts. We must not allow our hearts to get selfish or to give grudgingly. What do we mean give grudgingly? That after we give, that we regret. Oh man, I could have got that new computer. I could have got that steak that I wanted, but now I have to eat hot dogs. Come on, we can't allow our heart to get selfish, but we've got to allow our hearts to remain generous. We've got to allow our hearts to be constantly grateful for what God has done for us. Look again, if you would, at verse 8 of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. What are the first four words that we see in 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 8? What are the first four words that we see in that passage of Scripture? It says this, you got it, Tammy? 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. First four words. Say it with me. And God is able. Say that with me one more time. And God is able. Read on. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Who? You, the giver, those who have proven God. God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have abundancy for every good work. The first four words right there are so important because if we don't believe that, what pastor? If we don't believe that God is able, we'll probably never truly give. Is that not the truth? I mean, it's foolishness to give if God's not able. It's foolishness to give if we don't believe that God's able. That's why, again, giving is not only a test, but it's an act of faith. That we're saying, God, I believe that you are able. Because here's the deal that we have. If we don't believe that God is able, then we try and figure it all out. Okay, well, I've got this bill, and I've probably got this... And my shoes are getting some holes in, so I'm going to need some shoes. And they've got that deal at the store that if you buy one, you get a second half price. So I'm going to buy a pair and a half of shoes. uh, And I'm going to do... Come on, we begin to figure it all out. And then what happens? If we don't believe God is able, we figure it all out to see if there's any left for God. Instead of putting Him first. But then there's the other extreme. That we can think that God is so able that we've got to be careful that we don't give it all and say, well, God, I'm just going to give it all because I know you're going to meet all my needs. Can God meet your needs? Of course He can. But we've got to be careful that we're not giving away that which He's already given to us. 
to meet our needs. You see, God is requiring from every one of us, as we've talked about so often, and we're kind of revisiting areas because they all interconnect, but we're discovering the fact that God requires from every one of us good stewardship and wisdom. It's not a wise situation tonight for you to write a check and clean out your whole checking account and put it in an offering or give it to someone if God specifically has not told you to do that. Now, has God told people to do that? Yes, there are stories that I know of. I know there's been stories that God, in my life, that God's told me and I felt so strongly in my spirit to do that. And God came through every time. But there's a lot of people who just do it hoping God would come through and they're left disappointed. We've got to have stewardship and wisdom in our lives. Yes, we can trust God. But we've got to have wisdom and don't be as a fool. Again, if God tells you to do that, then be obedient. But if He doesn't, don't be foolish. Remember this. All God is really asking from you is His portion. He's just asking you to be faithful with that. He's not asking anything from any of us that we're not able to do. He's not putting such a pressure on top of us that He's asking to give everything. He's just saying, will you believe that I'm able? Will you believe that I'm able and will you put me first? But notice what it goes on to say in verse 8. God is able to make all grace towards you. That little word there, all, is an incredible word. In the Greek it means all. In the Hebrew it means all. I mean, it just means all. That God is able to take care of it all. That all grace, that everything that you and I could ever need, God says, I can handle it. I can take care of it all. I've got it under control. But notice then what happens. What happens? God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things. You know what we just said there? That God is able to pour His grace out upon your life that you will have every need that you could possibly have taken care of. So God says, I've got all sufficiency. Come on, He's sufficient to meet your every need. He is sufficient to meet your every need. No, He didn't say once. Come on now. I want what I want and I want it right now. Come on, we've got a lot of wants that we want this and we want that and we want... But there's a lot of things that we want that we don't need. God didn't say, I'll take care of your fads, your fancies and all these things. That's your wants. But God says, I'll take care of your needs. There may not be a lot left over after God has taken care of your needs, but that's okay because He's taken care of your needs and that's all you need. That will see you through you will have all sufficiency. God says, I'll take care of every need. But notice there's another level. That sufficiency or meeting your needs, which we call God's provision, amen? It's God's provision in your life produces something else. What does it go on to say? That you may have an abundance. So we've got sufficiency, all our needs taken care of, but then there's something else that God says, but then there's an abundance for every good work. So firstly, there's sufficiency, 
thank God he promised to meet our needs. But then there's a level of abundance which is more than we need that God says he is able to give to every one of us. Can I tell you this? Abundancy is a test that most of us fail. Abundancy is a test that most of us fail. What do you mean, Pastor P? The initial test that we have is this. Will we put God first? The initial test is to pay our tithe and to give to God. To have faith and trust God. Put him first. That's the initial test. But then there's another test through sufficiency that produces abundance that many of us fail. And what is that? After God begins to bless you, what do you do with that blessing? After God begins to pour out blessing in your life above your needs, what then begins to happen in your life? Because does that provision now, does His provision to meet your need rather become greed? Think about that. Does God's provision to meet your need, do we then say abundancy can become my greed? Or do we turn around the fact that His sufficiency to meet our need, that He produces abundance, that we say it's not going to be part of greed, but yet it's going to be my seed. It's going to be a seed that I am going to plant in God. I told you the story of the guy who came to the pastor and said, Pastor, pray for you. Making $50 a week was fine, giving $5. Making 500 a week, gave $50, great. Pastor, I'm struggling. I'm making five grand a week and I'm struggling to pay $500 tithe a week. Pastor, will you pray for me? Pastor said, sure will. God, reduce his salary back down to $500 so he can pay his tithe. Now, we may look at that, but you see what happens is, after God has met our need and there's a sufficiency, there's an abundance that God says that we can also have. But we've got to be careful in that abundance that we don't allow greed. Come on, if he was getting by with $45 a week, I'm sure he could handle $4,500 a week. But all of a sudden, with that abundance, with that blessing that God had given to him, what happened? He began to get greedy and he began to look and say, oh, that's a lot of money I'm giving to God, failing to remember that God took him from $50 a week to $5,000 a week. You see, we're talking about your seed tonight. We're talking about how you deal with the blessings that God has given you. Because too often it can become about all of about us that we forget this, that it's still all His. God doesn't, after the sufficiency level, he draws a line and says, okay, anything after sufficiency is all you. It's still all his. Just what's happened is he realizes that he can trust you, so he's given you a little bit more. But with that trust is coming great responsibility, come on, and accountability that every one of us need to possess. So God's still seeing, can he trust us? Or is God realizing that greed has taken over and now selfish gain? is ruling in every one of our lives. I wonder how many people that God has taken from sufficiency to abundance that he's taken back down to need. Because they allow greed to rule their hearts. To take their seed. Sad thing, isn't it, when you eat your seed? Say with me, sufficiency. Say with me, abundance. But do you realise there's struggle in both? 
There's a struggle in both sufficiency and abundance. Why? Because first, in order to find that sufficiency for God to meet my need, I've got to have faith and I've got to trust. I've got to believe that he's able. There's a struggle still that goes on inside of each one of us. God, are you able? We question him. But then there's also a struggle in abundance and that is this. When he blesses us, will we still be faithful to him? It's amazing how extra money can so easily become greed instead of a seed. I've said this many times during this series, but here it goes again. It's not wrong to have stuff and it's not wrong to be blessed financially by God. Money is not all evil. I believe that money and blessing financially is one of the byproducts of the blessed life. One of. I didn't say the only one. One of. But you and I have got to remain good stewards with it. Why? Because God has to know that he can still trust you. A friend of mine, and he doesn't go to this church, so don't start thinking, I wonder who he's talking about. You don't know. A friend of mine was in a lot of debt, had a lot of debt. Inherited some money, not much, but a nice lump sum. One of those lump sums that will wake you up with a smile on your face in the morning. But with that money, he realized and he began to weigh up his options that he had available. He wanted to go back to school to further himself, to be a CNA, wanted to get a certification and stuff, which was a great idea to do that and to further himself. Was struggling, wanted to find the money. All of a sudden, money came, said, thank you, God, it's great. So here's the first thought. He thought, man, I could pay for my school outright. But then he realized that with that money, even after paying our school, he could probably pay off between 80 and 90% of all the debt that he had. So paying school and paying off nearly all his debt. But then he began to realize and said, wow, that money's a whole nice lump sum there. If I pay off school and I pay off my debt, I really haven't blessed myself with anything. So instead, he made a decision that he was going to go out and buy himself a new TV. It was on sale, so I mean, it was a great deal. I mean, it must have been God. I mean, it was just on sale that day. It had to be Jesus, you know what I'm saying? So he went there and bought himself a new TV, still paid off his school, but there was hardly anything left to pay off his debt. Please note, he already had a perfectly good working, operating TV. Just a little bit smaller. And not quite so flash as the new flat screen that he wanted because everyone else has one. When he told me this, I asked him this question, did you make the right choice? I mean, how many thinks he made the right choice? I don't think he made the right choice. Because in buying that TV, he placed himself even in a greater debt. Paying interest of what's 20 plus percent now on some of these credit cards, God only knows. Was that the best use of the abundance of his life? You see, we've got to be very careful with this. God wants to bless us with abundance, but he wants to know that we can be good stewards and that we can still seed with that which he's given. You know, that young guy never once mentioned to me that I'm going to pay tithe on that money. Whenever I get a lump sum of money, I don't think of it as in how much it is. I think how much I have available after I've given God. Come on. Come on. We must maintain the right perspective as God begins to bless our lives. If not, the blessing will fade away. Easy come, 
They'll slip through your fingers like sand. Tailor-made blessings, listen to me, an abundance that God had designed right for you. If it becomes greed in your life and not a seed, it's going to slip right through your fingers. It's so, un- it's so important to understand how we see money in our control. Do you see money? Is money to you, is it just to meet your need? Is it to satisfy your greed? Or is it to be a seed? Obviously, while I pray it's obvious that the blessings that God gives us are to be a seed. If you didn't realise that, then I hope you do right now. Why is that? Because we don't need God to meet our need or we don't see money as meeting our need. Why? Because we're trusting in God to meet our need. Come on, we're already trusting in God. And God's going to meet our need, even if we have our cell phones on in church, Bishop. Why? Because we know God's ableness and His ability is there to meet our needs. So what are we saying is, we know it's not to satisfy our greed. So therefore, God has given us blessings for what reason? That we can give more to Him. That as He gives, we can give more. There's a neat couple of verses in the Bible that deal with this. And these are verses actually that I've prayed over my life many days and I still do. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 30, verse 7 through 9. Proverbs 30, 7 through 9. Incredible verses. And that is this. Two things I request of you, deprive me not before I die. Verse 8, remove falsehood and lies far from me. So the first thing is I don't want to lie and take away falseness from me. But notice the second thing that the author writes. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is allotted to me. Verse 9, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of God. Of my God. What was his prayer that we see? Give me neither poverty, don't let me be in need for the rest of my life. But what else does he say? Don't give me riches. I don't want to be in a place of greed for my life. Perhaps there's a valuable lesson that you and I must see here, and that is this we don't need to live in need, we need to trust God to take care of that. But we certainly don't need to live in greed, but rather we need to live in seed. What is that that we need to realize that we are blessed to be a blessing? Turn back again to 2 Corinthians 9, but this time we're going to read verse 10. 2 Corinthians 9 and now verse 10. And the words of 2 Corinthians 9 verse 10 says this, Now may he who supplies seed to the and bread for food Supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Who does God promise to give seed to? The greedy person? The one who keeps it? God promises to give seed to the sower. The one who receives more than enough. It's what God says. Malachi 3.10, God says, Behold, I'll open the windows of heaven, I'll pour out a blessing so big that you will not be able to contain it. God's not a God of waste. He doesn't give Bishop so much that Bishop can just wallow in it and say, Look at me, I'm incredible. 
He gives bishop enough that all sufficiently, that every need can be met. If bishop can be trusted with that, God will give him abundance that he can sow and use that, yes, for himself and to bless his family, but yet also remember God and be a good steward with that. But really, what God is showing us is, there's a blessing that I want to give you so much that you can touch other people around you too. How many times have we ever heard or we've said these words? Well, sure, that guy's a giver but he can afford to give, he's got money. How many times have we looked and said, well, they can give, yeah, of course they're a giver. I mean, look at them, they're loaded, they've got money, they can afford to give. Perhaps, Bishop, we've got it backwards. Perhaps that guy or that lady has money because he is a giver. Hello? Perhaps he has money because he is a giver, because as he sows and he seeds, God meets his needs and God takes him to a place of abundance. Say with me, God will supply seed to the sower. God said he would never supply seed to the keeper. If God cannot get it through you, he won't get it to you. But if he can't get it through you, come on, he'll keep getting it to you. But here's how good God is. It's more than seed because notice what verse 10 says. He says, and you will have bread food. Bread for food. That means blessing for you and your family also. God doesn't grudge your blessing. As long as we remain to put him first, God does not grudge the blessing upon your life. That's a result of giving to God. So yes, there's seed that we can be sown, but there's also bread. Come on, wave at me. Come on, there's bread for my house. Come on, there's bread for my children. There's bread for my future. There's bread for my house. I stand before you today as living proof. Kelly and I, as a result of putting God first as a family, we have bread for food. God has blessed us because we understand the principles of sowing and the importance of giving to God. And God has blessed us. We've got a beautiful home. We've got wonderful cars. We've got great clothes. We've got so many wonderful things that God has blessed us with. Why? Because God said, if I can get it through you, I can give you bread for food. You see, I'm preaching truths and principles to you today. It's not God wants your money. God doesn't need your money. You need His blessing. You need Him to meet your sufficiency, to take you to that place of abundance that there will be bread for you and your home. God is the only one that can supply it and God's the only one that can multiply it. Put it in His hands. Come on, put it in His hands. When the disciples took the loaves and the bread to Jesus, what did Jesus do? Jesus broke it and he blessed it, but when did it multiply? When he gave it to the disciples and they began to break it and give it to other people, as they began to sow, as they began to seed, when did the multiplication take place? In their hands. You want to see multiplication and blessing? God's given it to you. You've just got to get it out of your hands and start sowing it. As I close quickly, I want to give you three principles in regards to your seed, and they're really quick. Anyone remember being at school when the teacher said, now you better remember this because this is going to be on your test. Anyone remember that? Our teachers would say that. Not all your notes is going to be on the test, but if I tell you, you better remember this. You better remember it because it's going to be on your test. Listen to me. You better remember these three principles because they're on your test. Come on, they're going to be on your test. Principle number one, you reap what you sow. Your seed will determine your harvest. Everyone say amen. Amen. 
or oh my, help us Jesus. But here we go again. Listen to me. We don't just sow for the purpose of getting more. God's not just like an ATM or a slot machine. Put it in and cha-ching and hope we hit the jackpot. I want more money, so I'm just going to give more. God's got to bless me. No, because he knows the motive of your heart. But here's what we remember is that financial growth is a byproduct of sowing. It's a byproduct of giving to God. So principle number one, you will reap what you sow. Principle number two, you reap after you sow. Huh. Be foolish, wouldn't it, for a farmer to stand out in the field and wait for a crop and he hadn't even planted a seed? But how often do we do that? No seed in the ground? No harvest. As obvious as that is, we still don't get it. As obvious as that is, you still don't get it so many times. I have to still remind myself. Oh, when I get enough money, Pastor. Oh, when I get that job. Or when I get that promotion. Oh, God, it's going to be giving me that bonus. And when I get that bonus, Pastor, I'm going to give. I'm going to be a giver. No, you won't. Let me tell you something. There'll be no harvest come if there's no seed in the ground. It will never happen. You cannot reap before you sow. You've got to sow before you can reap. You will never reap a harvest if you're not given your time. If you're not putting God first, to be faithful with the little things. But you know what? There's an incredible promise and that is this. Genesis 8 verse 22 says this. While the earth remains, There will be seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter, summer, day and night. They shall never cease. That's a promise from God. That's a principle of God's Word. God says, while the earth remains, these things will never cease. What will never cease? Seed time and harvest. But notice this, it doesn't say harvest, then seed time. It says seed time, then harvest. Sow what you have. Be a good steward. Be faithful. Sow, sow, sow. Principle number three. You will always reap more than you have sown. It's a great point right there, but we've got to jump back to number one, and that is this. We've got to watch, therefore, what we are sowing. Hello? We've got to watch what we are sowing, because if we reap more than what we have sowed, we better make sure we're sowing the right seed. Do I hear an Amen. That's why our seed has to be right, because you will reap what you sow. But listen to me, you'll reap loads more. Some people are so bitter in their lives, and that's all they sow, and they wonder why their lives are just a bitter, a bitter, angry mess. Some people are so depressed, and all they want is everyone else to be depressed. They just sow depression wherever they go, and wonder why their lives are miserable. People sow grudgingly, and wonder why there's a grudging reward that comes back to them, and nothing really happens. It seems like there's moments of breakthrough, but then it's just swept out from my... You've got to watch the seed that you sow. Why? Because it produces more than just one back. The blessed life will always get more when you sow God's way. Listen, what you have is a test. The possessions, the money that God has given to you is a test. Maybe for some of you, you better hurry up and pass the test so God can get more to you because you've struggled for too long. What we have is a test to prove that you and I can be trusted. But with that test, how are we responding? How are we responding to our need? Do we believe that God is able? But with His sufficiency and abundance, are we allowing greed to take control? 
or we realise that God's blessing and provision upon my life may be small, but right where I'm at, what He's given to me, I'm going to use it as a seed. I'm going to sow it right with my heart right and give it to God. You see, are we in need? Well, if we are, we can trust God to take care of us. But in our greed, or in abundance rather, we can pray to use the abundance wisely and in obedience to God's prompting. But in our seed time, we need to realize it's time to sow bountifully. Come on, your seed is your tithe. Something that's not yours in the first place. As you sow, you will be blessed. Blessing will come your way. You know what it says, God blesses you more. You know what can happen? You've got more to give. And the more you give, the more God can give you more back. What an incredible cycle of life that you and I can be a part of in God. It's not a get-rich-quick gimmick. It's a principle that works. Again, if He can get it to you, and if you'll let it pass through you, If you sow it, God will give it to you. But notice this. If you will be willing to sow it, there's going to be bread for your hands. That God's going to meet not only every need that you have in your life, but there's going to be more left over that God's going to bless you and your family with. Come on, God's going to bless you. Come on, God's going to bless your family. Would you stand to your feet? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartseeds Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.